Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, hey, my name's Ethan, and I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. We're in a series called Stranger Stories, and we're recognizing a couple things. We're recognizing that sometimes if you're reading the Bible, or maybe you've heard some stories out of the Bible, that just seem pretty strange, okay? They just seem pretty strange, and we have a tendency, and even I for sure have a tendency, to just kind of overlook those stories, brush those under the rug. We'll get back to those stories later, and let's just talk about the real main stories and, and not about the strange, weird stories, because my problem with it is this. If it's so weird, if it's that weird, is it really true? If it's, if it's that weird, could it actually be true? And if it's not true, then it throws off the entire thing. And so we overlook those stories to kind of protect ourselves and protect the Bible. But I'll say this today, that these stories and the Bible um, can handle, they can handle your questions and they can handle your doubts and they can handle the weirdness that you're feeling. So a little bit of backstory about me. I'm a pushover. My whole life I've been a pushover. I don't like to send food back. It makes me nervous. I don't like confrontation. I don't like fighting. I don't like strife. I don't like any of that. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I'll just say, okay, yes, do whatever you want to, just to keep things peaceful. And I thought that was fine for a while until I had a baby. My wife had a baby and then we had another baby and then we had another baby. And I realized something, that there was this power struggle between parents and babies. There's this, without even knowing, there's a power struggle that happens. Babies don't want to eat or sleep. They only want to sleep when it's time to eat. They only want to eat when it's time to sleep. I don't know about you, but for, for my kids, their first, some of their first words were mine and no. See, you see that constant struggle, that, that struggle for power. I want, I want all the power to myself. I want to control you. Babies come into this world as small, adorable, power-hungry, egotistical maniacs. <laughs> we were born, you and I were both born with this instinct for control. We want to control things, to be the one in power, to be the authority of the ones around us. We want the power for ourselves. And maybe you've experienced the same thing with your own kids or your parents or your spouse or your boss. I want the power. I don't want you to tell me what to do. Now, maybe you're thinking, all right, nah, 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 I, I, I'm grown now. I don't need to have power. I know that I have to have a boss or I know I need to listen to certain people. And I would argue with that. I would say this, just wait until someone asks you to do something challenging or to do something difficult or just wait until someone asks you to do something that you don't want to do at all. And I don't know about for you, but for me, my first instinct is you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. Most of us, in my opinion, don't like to be told what to do. From a very early age, we want to do things our way. But we rarely get full control, the full control that we're looking 
for. Because I believe this to be true, and I, I believe it's true of everyone who's ever lived. It's true of you and me and your parents and your friends. Everyone submits to the authority of someone. There's someone somewhere that has authority over you. I think Bob Dylan said it best. He said this, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You might be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Even Bob Dylan understood, I don't care who you are, there's going to be an authority over you. It doesn't matter if you're the most successful person in the room. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a million dollar company. It doesn't matter if you're the coolest kid at your school. You can be the smartest, the prettiest, the wealthiest. And whether you realize it or not, someone or something in your life holds a position of authority. Now, the good news for us is that we're not alone. We're not alone. We're not the first people uh, to experience this. Humans since the dawn of time have looked for the answer to this question, who is my authority? And humans have found that authority, either accidental or on purpose. They found it in the stars, in the planets, through countless gods, Mother Earth, other humans, etc., etc., etc. The list goes on and on. The list goes on and on. Where am I going to find my authority? Someone or something to tell me what to do. Now, a couple thousand years ago, when, when Jesus was on this earth, his birth and his life fulfilled prophecy after prophecy. And, and most thought he had come to establish a kingdom, to establish a kingdom in the traditional sense of a kingdom, and to be a king in the traditional sense of king, to rule with power and an iron fist and authority. But Jesus didn't come to do that in the traditional way. Today, I want to cover three moments in the life of Jesus. Three moments that I think are, are important moments to look at. And three moments that have the power to change things for you and I today. We find these, all three of these in Matthew's gospel. And I'll say this, one is weirder than the other, but they're all pretty strange. They're all pretty strange stories. So we start in Matthew chapter 8. This is what it says. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, if you, will you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. You probably either know this or you could guess that a person who was a leper, no one wanted to touch them. No one wanted to be around them. They were unclean. They were actually outcast by their society or even their, their families. And in a single moment, Jesus did something that not only displayed his power, but proved 
that he had the authority over our physical bodies. He had authority over our physical bodies. In the same chapter, we see Jesus healing others and restoring their physical bodies. And then a few verses later, we read the second story. And when he got into the boat, this is verse 23, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, all you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? In this moment, Jesus and his disciples, his own disciples who had seen him heal person after person, well, they were amazed at this. They even questioned, who is this man? In this moment, we see that Jesus not only has the authority over the physical body, but he has authority over the earth, over the winds and the waves. He has authority over the world around us. Now, if you and I were to see those, we would think, uh, that's pretty strange. That's pretty wild. That's pretty weird. This man has healed these people, but now he's calming the waters. Now he's stopping the winds. That's pretty weird. That's pretty strange, but it's nothing compared to what's about to happen. Verse 28 says this. And when he came to the other side, the cut to the country, of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you, can, if you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. And he said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled. And going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed Men. I mean, can you imagine this scene? What a strange scene to see demon-possessed men, a herd of pigs. And in one moment, Jesus rebukes these demons into a group of pigs. It's possessed pork. Demon-possessed pork, which then run off into the water and drown. And this poor herdsman, this poor pig farmer is left with zero pigs. But I guess he wouldn't mind because... What an amazing thing. I mean, how could you go back to farming after you saw such an amazing thing? I'm sure he was fine finding another profession. Jesus uses another moment to show his authority. Jesus shows that he not only has the authority over the seen world of the winds and the waves and our physical bodies, the things that we can see, but the unseen world as well. Jesus has authority over the spiritual realm. 
a realm that is beyond physical bodies and beyond the winds and the waves in the world around us. It shows us that he's not just some doctor who can heal our bodies or some weatherman who can stop the storm. He has power over the unseen. And while we could talk for hours about what the Bible says or experts say about the spiritual realm around us, we could talk for hours about angels and demons. And I would explore, encourage you to explore that for yourself. I think we would miss an important idea today. If we spent our entire time talking about angels and demons and spiritual warfare, we would miss something that's just right in front of us, right in front of us, hidden almost in this strange story. Matthew chapter eight, Jesus healing bodies, Jesus calming storms, Jesus casting out demons, provides proof that Jesus is who he says he is. He is not a prophet or a magician or just a wise teacher. He is more than a healer. He is who he said he was. He is who he said he was. He is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is who he says he is. And he proves that by showing his authority. Near the end of, the math, uh, of Matthew's gospel, when he's, he's talking to his disciples about, some call it the Great Commission, he begins it by saying this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has authority over heaven and earth, the seen and the unseen. He has authority, as we see, over life and death. And let me be crystal clear, this is not Jesus saying, I'm the boss, do what I say or else. No, 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 no. He's not power hungry. Jesus does not hold power like you or I would hold power. If we were hired on tomorrow as CEO of some large company, we would probably get dressed up in a really expensive suit and go into a boardroom and want to act big and tough. Do what I say because I'm your boss. If you don't do what I say, you're done, you're fired, you're out of here. Jesus doesn't hold a position of power and authority like you and I would. He holds this position of power. He commands this authority with perfect love and grace and gentleness. Although he has the authority of the unseen and the seen, it's his love for us that makes his authority remarkable. I want to say that again to you. Although he has the authority of the seen and the unseen, the authority of life and death, the authority over our, our human bodies and the world around us, it's his love for us, not the miracles themselves, but his love for us that makes his authority remarkable. John three seventeen says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus, throughout his life and ministry, shows his authority 
but his authority is always driven by his great love for you and for me. His authority is driven by his love for us. So maybe you're thinking, that sounds cool, but why does that matter? Why does that change anything for me today? I mean, I've never seen a miraculous healing like you're talking about in the leper. I mean, I had acne as a teenager and I've never seen, you know, a a, a miraculous healing of acne or some sort of skin disease. I've been in some pretty bad storms. I've never seen a storm calm like that. And I've definitely, definitely never seen a demon-possessed pig. How does this change anything for me? What, what are these stories about authority and Jesus? What do they mean to me? Or, or better put, why should I submit to God's authority? If what I'm saying is true, that everyone has authority, if what Bob Dylan is saying is true, that everyone serves somebody, then why in the world should I submit to God's authority? Everyone has authority, right? Well, I want to give you three simple reasons. There's, there's more, but I want to give you three simple reasons why, why I believe that we should submit to God's authority. And the first is this. God's framework for you and for me, well, it's the best way to live. Scientists are now saying that it's actually good for your health your brain, your work-life balance, to, to take one day off a week and just rest. Just rest. I mean, <laughs> I've heard that somewhere before, I think. It's called the Sabbath, and it's in the Bible. It's been happening for thousands of years. God invented it. He said, this is the best way for you to live. This is the best way for you to live. You wouldn't look at an instruction manual for a piece of Ikea furniture to learn to drive a car you would look at the manual of the car or the Ikea instruction manual for the piece of furniture. The creator knows what's best for the creation. Therefore, as creations of God, we look to the creator for direction in how to live. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We can look to God's word to see how to live, to find wisdom and truth and encouragement, how to treat people, and so much more. It explains how to deal with problems, how to find peace, how to find joy. It explains how to love each other, how to love one another. It can guide you through your life and your life will be abundantly better. Maybe not how you thought, but better than you could have ever planned for yourself. My kids who are six, five, and two, they think happiness equals doing whatever they want to do. (laughs) They think if they stay up super late, if they drink juice every time they're thirsty, if they eat nothing but sugar and french fries and watch hours upon hours upon hours of YouTube every day, that their life will be perfect and happy. And while that does sound fun for maybe an afternoon, I know as their father, that's not the best thing for them. That's not the best thing for them. I know what is actually going to be the best way for them to live. And when we, when we live inside God's framework that he has created us to live inside, I believe that's the best way to live. 
The second reason I would say submitting to God's authority is the best way to live is we find purpose under God's authorities, under his authority. Humans have purpose woven into who we are, but we're unable to see its full potential until we submit to God's authority. At some point in your life, you have or will ask this question, what is my purpose on this earth? Why was I created? Why am I here? Why are we here? Under God's authority, you can begin to use your talents, your interests, your hobbies, your likes to accomplish a fulfilling purpose. A purpose that is not just described as earthly success. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than success on the earthly realm. A purpose that is not connected to status or to money or to making your way up the ladder, but it's connected to love. It's bigger than you. And under God's authority, you can find that purpose. And the last, the last reason that I want to share with you, like I said, it's not the only three reasons, but the last I want to share with you is this, the last one. God loves you. It's, it might sound like a Sunday school, cheesy, corny answer, but it's true. Ultimately, I want you to know that submitting your life to God's authority over any other authority is the way it's supposed to be because of his deep love for you and for me. No other authority on this earth, no other authority that we can find or create for ourselves will ever love us or love us like God loves us. You see, even though God has authority over heaven and earth, he sent his son to live and to die for you. That's not like normal authority, the authority that we're used to. That's not how I would use authority to send my own son, to sacrifice my own son for someone else. And as a response to that, we can take a step into making Jesus our authority. So today my bottom line is this. You have an authority. I have an authority. Your parents your kids, your coworkers, your neighbor, your boss, everyone on this earth who has been and who will be has an authority. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it telling you what to do? Who is it giving you instructions? Who are you looking to to make decisions, to help you with decisions, to help you with guidance through the good times? And the bad, we all have to submit to authorities, right? I mean, just living on this earth, we have governments, we have police, we have our boss. But that's not the kind of authorities I'm talking about. You see, we all have an ultimate throne in our lives. Everyone on this earth has a throne in their life. And the person or thing that sits on that throne controls everything. We allow them to control everything. So who sits there? Is it someone in your life? Is it your spouse? Is it your boss? Is it this need for money? Is it something, not someone? Is it status or need for money or, or uh, trying to climb some sort of social ladder? Who is sitting or what is sitting on that throne? 
Who sits on that throne in your life? And would you consider, as you think about who sits there, would you consider allowing Jesus to have that throne? Allowing Jesus to have that throne. The only one who has earned the authority. We saw that in Matthew 8. He has shown his authority. But it's done so for your good, for my good. Has done so in perfect love, perfect gentleness, and perfect grace. Would you consider allowing Jesus to have that throne and making Jesus the authority of your life? I want to pray for you. God, I thank you for every person hearing my voice. I I thank you for creating them, for creating them with unique talents and gifts and likes. God, we're all looking for purpose. We're all looking for love. And we're all looking for someone to be our authority, whether we know it or not. Someone sits in that throne of authority in our lives. And God, I pray for myself and for my friends that are listening right now that we would look at that throne, that throne that controls everything we do, that we would see who sits there or see what sits there and that we would realize that's not the best way to live. Searching for status, searching for money, searching for happiness in the world around us, that's, that's not going to get us far. God, allow us to know that when Jesus sits on that throne, that's the best way to live. We can live in purpose. We can live in love. We can live the way you intended us for for us to live. Thank you, God, for loving us so much to send your son to live and to die for us. Your son's in your prayer. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.